Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Chantel Lewis of Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center. Thank you so much for joining us again, Dr. Lewis. I'm happy to be here. Dr. Lewis is board certified in internal medicine and endocrinology. Dr. Lewis, could you tell us about Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center? At the Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center, we provide treatment for type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and gestational diabetes. Thyroid conditions such as hypothyroidism, which is an underactive thyroid, hyperthyroidism, an overactive thyroid, thyroid nodules, thyroid cancer, adrenal and pituitary gland disease, parathyroid disease, polycystic ovarian syndrome, osteoporosis, to name a few. We also provide diabetes management services like treatment with diabetic oral agents and non-insulin injectables, insulin management, insulin pump management, continuous glucose monitoring, and diabetes management classes. My goodness, you guys got it all covered, don't you? That's right. That's a whole (laughs) lot. Now, most of us know what diabetes is, but can you explain diabetes in a little more detail? Sure. According to the World Health Organization, diabetes is a chronic metabolic disease characterized Characterized by elevated levels of blood glucose or blood sugar, which over time, if not treated, can lead to serious damage to the organs of the body. It is important for us to discuss the role of insulin as it relates to diabetes. The pancreas is a flat, pear-shaped organ or gland, which is approximately 6 inches long, located behind the stomach in the upper part of the abdomen. The pancreas has two functions. One, it produces enzymes, which are special proteins, that help in the digestion of the food that we eat. And two, it makes hormones that regulate the way our bodies process sugar. One of these hormones is called insulin. The human pancreas continuously secretes insulin into the circulation in distinct pulses, even when we are not eating. Glucose, or sugars, is the most potent stimulant of insulin release. The insulin has many effects. At the level of the brain, it causes decreased appetite and increased energy expenditure. At the level of the liver, it inhibits breakdown of glucose stores and promotes storage of glucose. At the muscle, it increases protein production and promotes glucose storage. At the level of the fatty tissues, it causes triglyceride storage. After eating food, insulin concentration increases in the blood, leading to the return of glucose to normal levels. In persons with diabetes, there is either complete absence of insulin production or decreased production of insulin with associated defect in the action of insulin in the body. And this results with high levels of blood glucose. Diabetes can be classified into five main groups. Type 1 diabetes, where there is no insulin production. Type 2 diabetes, which we will talk about later. Mm-hmm. Monogenic diabetes due to genetic defects. And secondary diabetes due to medications such as steroids, infections, other endocrine disorders, pancreatitis, storage disorders, or cancer. And lastly, gestational diabetes occurring during pregnancy. Now let me ask you this question. Uh, if your pancreas does not produce insulin, that's type 1. Correct. Okay, and then type 2, it produces, but just not enough. Right, or your body is resistant to it, or you're not sensitive to to insulin. Now, someone with diabetes, whether type 1 or type 2, and they have to take diabetes in a a shot form, can your body become resistant to that? So when we talk about insulin resistance, we mean that your body is aware that there's insulin around, but we're not very sensitive to it, okay? Mm -hmm. So the action of insulin is not occur. I understand. Okay, good. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about type 2 diabetes. We'll be right back on Health for Life. Join us on a journey to better health. Health for Life. Simply put, that is why Hamilton Medical Center is here. 
Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. Hamilton Healthcare System, health for life. Welcome back to Health for Life. Today we're talking with Dr. Chantel Lewis. Dr. Lewis, let's take a moment. We're going to talk about type 2 diabetes. Sure. Type 2 diabetes occurs as a result of either predominantly decreased insulin secretion from the pancreas or predominant insulin resistance or decreased action at the level of the tissues of the body, resulting in high blood sugars. The treatment of type 2 diabetes is aimed at decreasing insulin resistance or increasing insulin secretion or providing insulin if the insulin secretory capacity has substantially decreased. Among the U.S. population overall estimates for 2018, 34 million people, that's 1 in 10, have a diagnosis of diabetes. So what percentage have type 2 diabetes? 90 to 95 percent of them have type 2 diabetes. Of all the people with diabetes, diabetes 90 to 95 percent have type 2. Have type 2. So type 2 is much more common than any other type. Uh, that's what I'm thinking, yes, right. for sure. Risk factors for diabetes includes being overweight or obese, fat distribution, storing fat mainly in the abdomen, inactivity. The less active you are, the greater your risk. Family history. The risk of type 2 diabetes increases if your parent or sibling has type 2 diabetes. Race and ethnicity. People of certain races and ethnicities have an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Age over age 45. Pre-diabetes and polycystic ovarian syndrome increases the risk of diabetes. Dr. Lewis, there are some complications, of course, of diabetes. Can you go over that? What's some of the complications associated with diabetes? Complications of diabetes due to high blood sugars occurs silently over time, and most are painless. These complications can be separated into those affecting the large blood vessels in the body and those affecting the smallest blood vessels. In a previous podcast, nurse practitioner Brooke Green discussed a large vessel complication such as coronary artery disease. Today, we will focus on microvascular or small vessel disease-related complications associated with diabetes. Microvascular disease, or disease of the smallest blood vessels and capillaries, is manifested mainly by thickening of their walls. Microvascular disease involving the retina or the eye is called retinopathy. The kidney, nephropathy, the heart can lead to cardiomegaly with heart failure, and the nervous system leading to neuropathy. First, let's talk about kidney disease. About 5,000 cases of end-stage kidney disease due to diabetic nephropathy occur annually among diabetic patients in the U.S. In 2017, diabetes was the leading cause of end-stage kidney disease, followed by hypertension, and this has not changed. Diabetic nephropathy is initially manifested by protein in the urine before kidney function declines. Without intervention, diabetic patients with microalbuminuria typically progress to kidney failure requiring dialysis or kidney transplant. Sensitive urine test methods have permitted detection of microgram concentrations of urinary protein called albumin. Screening for diabetic nephropathy or microalbuminuria may be accomplished by either a 24-hour urine collection or a spot urine measurement of microalbumin. Microalbuminuria is defined as albumin excretion of 30 to 299 milligrams in a 24-hour period. I am sure our patients who are listening now can recall that we check these levels once yearly. Now we move on to vision disability or retinopathy. Diabetes retinopathy is responsible for about 10,000 new cases of blindness every year in the United States alone. Diabetes is the leading cause of new cases of blindness among adults aged 18 to 64 years. Diabetic retinopathy is generally classified as either non-proliferative or proliferative based on changes seen in the eye. 
In patients with type 2 diabetes, 60% have non-proliferative retinopathy after 16 years. Non-proliferative stage of disease may be described by ophthalmologists as small bleeds, enlargement of the vessels, increased leakage of blood vessels, and macular edema. These changes lead to visual deterioration. Proliferative retinopathy is characterized by growth of new vessels. If proliferation continues with no intervention, blindness can occur. Now, this is something we can't see by just looking at someone's eyes. You say you can or can't? Cannot. A, a specialist has to take a look behind the eye. And then this is the this is going to be the bleeding in the back of the eye? Correct. Okay. I understand because I've had surgery for that. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. we can intervene. Okay. Good. And it is very good that you can. And I'm afraid that some people who don't go to the eye doctor. It progresses to blindness. To the point that it can't, uh, nothing can be done. Exactly. Very sad. Lastly, we're going to talk about neuropathy. Diabetic neuropathy is recognized by the American Diabetes Association as a presence of symptoms or signs of peripheral nerve dysfunction in people with diabetes after exclusion of other causes. More than 80% of amputations occur after foot ulceration or injury, which can result from diabetic neuropathy. Peripheral neuropathy in diabetes may manifest in several different forms, including sensory, focal or multifocal and autonomic neuropathies. And I'm going to talk about these a bit further. Okay. Distal symmetric polyneuropathy is the most common form of neuropathy in diabetes. Usually patients experience burning, tingling, electric pain or numbness in the hands or feet or both. In patients who experience pain, it may be worse at night. On physical exam of the feet, they have loss of sensation, loss of vibration sense, and temperature. In clinic, we use a 10-gram monofilament to test sensation. Those who cannot feel this are at a considerably elevated risk of developing foot ulceration because they don't feel when they get injured. Well, that happened to me, see, uh, because I lost a toe because I, I hurt the bottom of my toe and didn't know. And then it is just festered up to where I ended up losing my toe. Yeah. Exactly. An amputation. So we hear that quite often, okay? Peripheral neuropathy can lead to development of joint deformities of the foot and ankle. In terms of isolate peripheral neuropathy, typically you have a sudden onset and involve virtually any nerve. It can affect the nerves going to the eye. It's probably what some of us may have experienced before mm -hmm. if we have diabetes. But most commonly is of the upper a limb or the upper arm um, that we have those symptoms. It should be noticed that nerve entrapment occurs frequently in the setting of diabetes. Now, this brings us to diabetic autonomic neuropathy. This causes significant morbidity and even mortality in patients with diabetes. Neurological dysfunction may occur in almost any organ system and can be manifested by postural hypotension, that is, low blood pressure on standing, gastroparesis, which means delayed emptying of the stomach after eating, constipation, diarrhea, bladder dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, exercise intolerance, rapid heartbeat, and even sudden cardiac death. Now, this sensation you're talking about in your feet, and you're talking about pain, you're talking about, it feels like a, an electrical pulse in your mm -hmm. pain. I, I talk to people with diabetes, and I know you talk to people every day with diabetes, but the people that I talk to, that is one of the most common things they bring up is that they're having pain in their feet. Right. So neuropathy is, out of all the microvascular complications of diabetes, that's the one that tends to hurt the most. When it affects the eye, we don't feel it. It's not painful. Mm -hmm. So it goes on for a long time before, you know, things have progressed. And the kidneys, it doesn't hurt either. But when the damage is being done to the nerves, we feel that. Right. And so most people bring that up to our attention, but the other parts might be affected as well. Well, it seems like, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like by the time it gets to the nerves, to where the, it hurts the nerves, a lot of the damage is already done. Correct. But we can slow the progression, okay, in terms of it can stop it from progressing to, to worse um, outcomes. By controlling your sugar. Exactly. Your glucose. Yeah. Right. 
Dr. Lewis, what are some of the things that we can do to help prevent microvascular complications? Epidemiological data and prospective intervention studies have confirmed the central role of glucose-induced damage in the development of chronic diabetes complications. Therefore, initial treatment is primarily focused on prevention through glucose reduction. So our goal of the A1C, depending on the patient, is less than 7%. This correlates with the average blood sugar of 150. We control the hypertension, the goal, most patients less than 140 over 90, controlling high cholesterol. We talk about the goal of the LDL, the bad cholesterol, being less than 70 with patients with cardiovascular disease and less than 100 without cardiovascular disease. Routine surveillance and managing complications to prevent progression, as we said before. In terms of nephropathy, blood pressure is managed aggressively. We check urine microalbumin yearly, and if abnormal, we treat with angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers, which are medications used to manage hypertension, but have been shown to decrease the risk of developing nephropathy and cardiovascular events in patients with type 2 diabetes. Retinopathy treatment options by the ophthalmologist include laser and injection of certain therapy into the eye can often prevent proliferative retinopathy from progressing to blindness. Therefore, close surveillance for the existence or progression of retinopathy in patients with diabetes is crucial. We recommend yearly dilated eye exams, which may be more frequent based on findings. And lastly, neuropathy, we recommend once yearly, at least once yearly inspection of the feet by a provider, and it can be any provider, and provision of therapeutic footwear where indicated. I understand exactly what you're saying. When you go back to the eye issues, uh, if you are, as a listener are diagnosed with diabetes, it's so important to get in with a good eye doctor also. Yes. Yes, and a good podiatrist as well. And a good podiatrist, absolutely. <laughs> and a good nephrologist. We forgot the nephrologist. <laughs> oh, a good what? Nephrologist. Nephrologist. Okay, and a good nephrologist it, too. It's a team effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It takes a village, doesn't it? It takes a village. Dr. Lewis, you've told us about the microvascular complications that are associated with diabetes. How can patients help to prevent these things from happening to them? There are a number of ways that patients can play their part in prevention. I will highlight a few of these. Number one, quit smoking. Reduce or stop alcohol intake. Monitor blood sugars between one to four times daily. Compliance with prescribed medications. Keep follow-up appointments with your providers. As we may notice something that you may not have seen. Check your feet regularly and report new ulcers immediately. Keep yearly appointments with the eye doctor or ophthalmology. Recommended goal of at least 150 minutes per week of leisure time physical activity. And so that could be walking. Mm -hmm. And even those who are limited, we say go ahead and do chair exercises. Now, what are chair exercises? So that would just mean you have a can of um, beans, you pick it up and you, you lift it up and down oh, yeah, while you sit idea. there and you're still burning calories. Hmm, okay? good, great idea, sure. Right. Diet modification. Ask your provider to see the dietitian if you need help with this. Small changes, for example, decreasing or stopping soda or sweet tea or energy drink intake will be beneficial long-term as well. Okay. And lastly, stress management. Well, how important is stress management? We actually have a whole class on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you it's know, you always hear the stress is a terrible thing for your health. Right. And it affects diabetes? Diabetes, hypertension, heart disease. So it's, it's really somewhere we have to focus on. Wow. Now, what can the Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center do 
to help patients to prevent these types of complications. Modern medical care uses a vast array of lifestyle and pharmaceutical interventions aimed at preventing and controlling high blood sugars. Treatment of diabetes attempts to decrease the likelihood that the tissues of the body are harmed by high blood sugars and therefore reduce complications. At the Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center, in addition to the support of lifestyle modification, we adhere to the guidelines from the American Diabetes Association and the American Association of Clinical Oncology to decide on up-to-date treatment for diabetes. Over the past 20 years, there has been additional classes of non-insulin options added for type 2 diabetes management, as well as insulin pump and continuous glucose monitoring options. We take into consideration patient chronic illnesses such as heart disease, kidney disease, obesity, and personal preference in order to advise on best management. Other contributing factors such as hypertension, hyperlipidemia, or high cholesterol are also addressed at visits. The availability for close follow-up to achieve these goals is a unique service offered here. The providers here are supported by experienced diabetic educator and dietitian who provide diabetes education, gestational diabetes education, pre-diabetes education, insulin administration, continuous glucose monitoring training, insulin pump training, and weight management program. Nutrition classes include basic nutrition, meal planning, grocery shopping, and is tailored to patients' requests. The classes are done individually or as a small group class, and persons are allowed to bring a family member who is involved with their care. What if a patient is already having some trouble? Can anything be done to help that patient? Yes, there is always something that can be done to help. Although some of these complications highlighted today may not be reversible, we know that controlling diabetes at any stage, Bobby, will be beneficial not only with regards to complications, but to overall well-being and quality of life. Many of those listening now have diabetes. Can you give them a word of encouragement on their journey to better health? Whether you were diagnosed with diabetes one year ago or 30 years ago, it is never too late to seek help to take control. We have an experienced and highly capable healthcare team at Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center who are just waiting to work with you. Wow, lots of great information. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today, Dr. Lewis. Thank you for inviting me to speak today. I hope this information will be helpful to those listening. Well, I'm sure that it will. There's so many that listen. For more information about Hamilton Diabetes and Endocrinology Center, call 706-278-1622 or visit hamiltonhealth.com. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System.